beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ. This Genesis 22, this narrative text, as we read through this, and as you saw the, the situation there, what the Lord had called Abraham to, and notice that he calls it a test, that God tested Abraham. And it was a difficult test for Abraham. Abraham was told to take his son, his only son. Now you have to stop at that moment to think about that because Abraham had two sons. He had Isaac and he had Ishmael. But the Lord says, the son in whom you love. This is the son that Abraham loved and desired. It was Isaac, the son of promise. God told him to take Isaac onto Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him there to the Lord. Now, there are some things within this narrative that as you read them, oftentimes people read, they read right through it, don't even think about it. It says that Abraham rose early in the morning. Why would you rise early in the morning when God had called you to sacrifice your only son to Him? Ever think about that? Do you ever ask questions as you're reading the Scriptures? Of why is it that Abraham would get up early in the morning? You know, I think that Abraham probably got up early in the morning because he couldn't sleep all that night. And I think we often read these things and we put the saints as if they had no sin or no weaknesses. Abraham loved Isaac. Yes, he loved the Lord, but he loved his son Isaac. And there would be confusion in his mind as the Lord had said, it's through Isaac the promise would come and the blessing would then come through Isaac. And Abraham had to have wondered, if I have no seed and this seed is then put on an altar and killed, how will the Lord bless me if Isaac is put to death? But you see, by faith, he obeys the Lord. Faith is believing the promises of God. Faith is believing even when you don't have an answer. Faith is trusting God when you can't see around the corner. Faith is walking out with confidence that God spoke to you through His Word and you know what He has called you to do and you trust that He will provide for you no matter how difficult the situation may be. It's not a blind leap. It's a confident trust in the God who holds our breath in His hands. So Abraham, I think, struggled. I think he struggled to sleep. But he got up and he did what the Lord called him to. Mount Moriah is the vicinity of Calvary where Christ was crucified. There's also, you see the parallels here. The son who is loved, the well-beloved son is Jesus Christ. You see, one of the things that you have to recognize in the Old Covenant were the types and the shadows and the symbols and the ceremonies and the sacrifices all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. What we find in Genesis 3, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, that is Jesus Christ. We find that the Father covers Adam and Eve with animal skins. What is that? That is a type of Christ, a covering of the righteous robes of Jesus. It all points to Him, beloved. And so you can read this account of Abraham and Isaac and truly miss the substance of the message. That it's not just speaking about, and it's a true situation with Abraham and Isaac, but it goes beyond itself and points to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because He is in whom all redemption is found. And all the sacrifices find their terminus in Him. They all point to Him. So Abraham got up and he took Isaac. And again, I think the conception is for most when you read this, that Isaac is a little boy. And he's easy to grab up and just wrap him up and bind him and throw him on the altar. Isaac is not a little boy. You see, and you understand something here about Isaac as well, don't you? That Isaac is probably near 30 years old. If he didn't want to be bound up by the old man, it wasn't going to happen. But Isaac went. And Isaac did as his father called upon him to do, even as the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So Abraham binds him up, and Isaac is on the altar. And he's going to slay him. Did you notice he had the knife and he was going to slay him? And the angel of the Lord spoke to him. Touch not your son. Now I know that you love the Lord. Now I know that you are going to obey the Lord. I don't take this as if God doesn't know. And number one, this is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the covenant is Jesus Christ. It's a pre-incarnate, it's a Christophany, it's called, of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. He is the one who speaks in regards to the Father. It's Christ. He is the Logos, the Word of the living God. God knows all things. He's speaking in a way that we understand. It's accommodating. It's a mode of accommodation. God speaks to us in that way for our understanding. We spoke this morning in the Sunday school about the hypostatic union of Christ. That hypostasis, the, the Greek term, meaning that there is something beyond what you can visibly see with the eye. In other words, Christ just wasn't a man, He was human. But he was also with the same, in the same person, he was truly God. You don't see that when you saw the person. He didn't have a halo around his head. So God accommodates to us for our ability to understand. God doesn't have eyes, but the eyes of the Lord run to and fro the earth. The Lord doesn't have ears as we have, but we know what it means to hear. The Lord is attentive to our cries. God doesn't have wings, but He hides us under the shadow of His wings. We understand that protection, that metaphor, the imagery that's given there. So we often find this in Scripture. God accommodates to us. So, Abraham about to slay Isaac, and he's told not to do it. There's a substitution. Now, who does that substitution point to? This is directly point. There's a, there's a straight line, beloved, from here, this altar, Isaac being taken off the altar, and the ram that was caught in the thickest being put on the altar as a substitutionary atonement. There is a direct line to Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 8, we read these words. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. And they said, you're not even 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Before Abraham was, I am. He is God incarnate. Jesus is God incarnate. He always was with regards to His divine nature. There never was a time that He wasn't. Abraham rejoiced to see the substitutionary atonement. He rejoiced that Isaac was taken off of the altar and then the ram was replacing Isaac, which is us, beloved. We are taken off. We are taken off. Christ is put on. We deserve damnation. Christ suffered that in our place. Christmas. What's Christmas all about? What does it mean, Christmas Day? It used to really irritate me. 30 years ago, working with guys, hey, are you ready for Christmas? What does that mean? Are you ready for Christmas? You know, I got all the presents wrapped. What do you mean? Because you're not ready for Christmas. Unless you know Christ. If you don't know Christ, I, I, I want to ask you this question. What are you doing? What is this pagan celebration that you have of the birth of Christ? What are you doing? You spurn Him. You hate Him. You blaspheme His name. You use it as a household swear word. And then one day a year, hey, we're going to get together and celebrate Christmas. That makes as much sense as a man on the moon. And yet, that's what the world does. Now I want to ask you who believe, what's Christmas all about? He was born that He might live and die in our place. Do you realize that? He was born that He would die. He came for that purpose. He came into the world for that purpose. That we might have life. That there might be reconciliation, forgiveness, union again with the true and living God through His once for all sacrifice. So, Abraham said that God would provide for himself a lamb for the sacrifice. He's provided that lamb. That lamb is prophesied throughout all of the Old Covenant. Peter refers to the Lamb of God who was spotless to take away the sin of the world in 1 Peter 1. Isaiah referred to the lamb. He was uh, like a lamb. He was brought to the sacrifice. The, the lamb is used in all the sacrifices of the Old Covenant. Do you realize in the Old Covenant that sacrifice happened twice a day every day? Sacrificing of a lamb. There was the sin offering. When a particular sin was committed... One would offer a lamb for a sacrifice. There was the trespass offering. And some kind of a defilement of the individual. A sacrifice was given. There was a peace offering. For those that wanted to be at peace with the Lord. Brought an offering to God. There was the Passover offering. The archetype of all of those was the Passover offering. The Paschal Lamb, which is referred to again and again in Scripture, where the blood was put upon the lintel and the post, and the angel of death passed over those that had the markings of blood. 
that all pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That blood of bulls and goats and calves and heifers could not take away sin. They pointed to the promise of the One who could. The true worshipers, those that truly had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were not looking to the animal sacrifices. They were looking to what the animal sacrifices represented. And that was the lamb that God would give for the salvation of sinners. What are you looking to today? What are you looking at today? What are you trusting in? What is it that you think that you can stand before the Lord with? When all of the hymns, all of the songs that we sing, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked I come to thee for dress. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Are you looking to Christ who alone can take away your sins? Who can present you presentable, lovable in the sight of God? Who can cover and clothe you? Who alone can cover and clothe you with His perfections? Are you looking to Him? You know, you kids... You get all excited. I understand that. You get all excited about Christmas Day. And you know, you get excited not because, hey, we get to go and worship the Lord this morning. You get excited because there's the tree and the presents, and you've already been snooping around looking for your name on the little packages. You know you have. And that's all your highlight. That's all you're thinking about. It's more than that. Christmas is about giving. No, it's more than that. It's a good thing to be giving. We're called to be givers, to give to one another. We're called to look out not only for our own things, but also for the things of others. We're called to to give to those who are in need. But that's not the main emphasis. The main emphasis is Christ. It's all about Him. You take Him away, there's no celebration. You take Him away, it's meaningless. It's a pagan ritual. You take Christ out of the equation and it all falls for lack of substance. That's sinking sand. It's on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you get that? All other ground? Not most other grounds. All other ground is sinking sand. The only place to stand is on Christ, the solid rock. Are you standing there? Are you standing by faith? Are you trusting in Him, His sacrifice, His person, His work on your behalf, in your place, that you might be reconciled to a holy God? If you are not, then you are on sand. Scripture calls us to come to Christ and believe. John says this in our text. The next day he saw Jesus coming. Notice a sequence of days. And John lays them out there of the work of Jesus Christ. But on one particular day, the following day, he sees Jesus. John's ministry was that of declaration, proclamation, pointing forward to Jesus Christ. John has said this at one point. He must increase. I must decrease. 
That means he must more and more come to the front. I must more and more fade to the back. This isn't about me. It's about him. My life is about him. My ministry is to prepare the way. It's a baptism of repentance. It's a calling to repent and to believe on the Lamb that is to come. That was the ministry of John. Beloved, that's, that's our ministry. Our ministry is to make Christ known. Sirs, we would see Jesus. You'll notice that you find the disciples taking others to Jesus. It's right here in John chapter 1. Andrew finds Peter. Peter, they take him to Jesus. This man takes him to Jesus. We need to come to Jesus. He's the only hope. He's the only forgiveness. He is the only solid rock. John had a wondrous ministry. Would that the church of Jesus Christ understood its ministry is to proclaim Christ, is to make all see Him, not us. We must decrease. He must increase. This is the calling of the church of Jesus Christ. To illumine the way. We are salt. We are light. And we live in a dark world. Light it up, beloved. Illumine. You know, Bob Marley. At the end of his life, he professed to be a Christian. Some of his songs hint at that. There's some of his songs that speak in biblical terms. One of the things he said was, light up the darkness. He sang about that. We live in a dark world. Light it up. How do you light it up? Light it up with the light of the world. That's how you light it up. With the truth of Jesus. Light it up. John saw Jesus coming. Now you understand that John says he didn't know who Jesus was. It's the Spirit of God who descended upon him. Now, there's all kinds of things there that we could, we could look into. Uh, just to make a mention, we once had a, a debate about this in our synod with regards to Christ coming in the form of a dove. And there was some that took exception to that. And so, as we do, we get committees and we fight about it, and then we come out and we have a resolution. As I read these texts that deal with the Holy Spirit coming in the form of a dove, John saw something. You understand that? A spirit doesn't have a body, you can't see a spirit. There has to be some materialization that goes on. And the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but He appears in the form of a dove, in the shape of a dove. And some say, well, it doesn't say that He came as a dove, it's just like He floated. How are you going to see a spirit floating down like that unless there is some materializing that happens? And that's what it is. Dove is seen right from the beginning. Dove is a symbol of peace. There's great significance in the dove. The dove was sent out of the ark and came back with an olive leaf. It's a sign of peace. It's a symbol of peace. The Holy Spirit, one of the gifts of the Spirit, is peace. It's a great symbol. John saw this. And then he knew who it was that was coming towards him. And what does he say? He said, behold. That term, the Greek text, simply means look. And it's not look like with a question. 
It's a declaration. It's a declarative. In other words, look to Him. There He is. You've used that. You've seen that. Maybe you've seen a famous person sometime and you say, oh look, there He is. This is it. This is what John says. Look. Behold. The Lamb of God. He doesn't say a lamb. It might be one sacrifice of many. No, he uses the definite article. The Lamb. The Lamb that all the types and shadows and sacrifices and symbols of the Old Covenant pointed to. The Lamb of God. God's Lamb. This is the Lamb that was prophesied to Abraham. That God would provide for Himself a Lamb for the sacrifice. And Christ is the archetype of all of that. He is the one who fulfills all of that. It's God's Lamb. In the time which God has allotted and and appointed, He sent forth His Son. And that's what we commemorate this day, that He came. He was sent. And Jesus said, even as Isaac, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. As Isaac allowed the old man to tie him up, so it is Jesus willfully went to the cross. Because he's God's lamb. This is a, a genitive of possession. This is God's appointed Lamb. You understand the significance of that? There is no other salvation. Well, why doesn't God give other ways? Because He gave one way. He gave the way. The only way that is necessary is that you come by way of Jesus. There is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. None. If you're looking to anyone or anything other than Jesus... You are not in salvation. You are under the wrath and curse of God. You are being deceived. You need to look to this lamb, this instrument that God has given, and to Him alone. We saw it last Lord's Day. We saw it with the bronze serpent that was lifted up. If you look to the bronze serpent, you will be healed from your snake bite. And it wasn't the bronze serpent that would heal you. It was believing the promise of God, which all the others that didn't look said, that's foolish. Why would I look to a bronze serpent? That can't heal me. No, but the God who has directed you to look heals. And you won't look, as Jesus said, you will not come to me and be saved, then you will die in your sins. He is the Lamb. He is the one given as a substitute. He is the one given who takes your sins upon Himself and deals with them once for all time on the cross. It's a wondrous thing to know that you have been forgiven. It's a wondrous thing to know that you have union and communion with the true and living God, not as a result of my performance, I fail daily, but as a result of the work of Christ on my behalf. It's... As one of the elders spoke to me this morning about a peace that surpasses understanding. That is a peace that surpasses. I can't, I can't explain the peace that it brings to the soul to know that you have full, free, and final forgiveness with God Almighty, the one who holds the breath of all creatures in His hand, that you have full forgiveness with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. What a wonder. 
What a peace of soul. I'm not running and looking for anything else. There is nothing else. It's Christ and Him alone. And when you have Him, you have all that is necessary. He is the Lamb of God. He is God's Lamb. And notice what He does. He takes away the sin of the world. Now, there may be some of you this morning who are thinking that Jesus died for everybody. That's not what it says. When you compare Scripture with Scripture, you know that Jesus didn't die for every single individual in this world as a potential atonement. All that the Father give to me, come to me, and all who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. He died for His sheep. He died for the church. He died for all that the Father gave to Him, which the covenant promise we saw in Genesis 22 would be like the stars in the heaven in number, the sand by the seashore. The writer John says in the book of Revelation, it's a number which no man can count. Cumulatively, of all the tribes, tongues, and nations of the world, God has elected a people from all of those nations of the world. And that's what it's referring to with regards to the world. This is not a blanket statement that said Jesus died for everybody. And if you just come, then you get, it, get the promise. You will never come unless the Holy Spirit regenerates your heart. And if the Holy Spirit generates your heart, then you demonstrate that you are one who has been chosen unto salvation. Let's start here. Who deserves to be chosen to salvation? We all deserve damnation. Every one of us. You kids, you deserve damnation. We come into this world deserving damnation. Why? We've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. The, the, the child in the womb, which we in the world say, well, that's an innocent little child. Not according to Scripture. According to Scripture... Original sin is imputed to that child in the womb. That means the consequences of Adam's fall are imputed to all mankind. And we come with a vicious nature and we go astray immediately, don't we? There's not one parent in here who can come up to me after worship service and say, You know what? I had to teach my child to lie. You teach him to tell the truth, didn't you? My mom had a nice bar of soap. Some of you laughing, you got that too, huh? We deserve damnation. But Christ has come and he's taken the sins of his people and he's bore them all. So that being imputed our sins to him and his righteousness to us, we stand holy in God's sight. We think about Christmas and the birth of Christ. That's what we should be thinking about. Is that I am right with God because He sent His Son. He loved His people. He loved His elect. He loved humanity in this way. He sent His Son. When we should have just perished. We deserve to perish in hell. Yet God did not leave us to, him, to ourselves. Do you notice in the garden... When Adam and Eve sinned. And they were two that walked with the Lord in the cool of the evening. And had fellowship and worship with the Lord. And then they partook of the forbidden fruit. 
And what happened? They were naked and they were ashamed and they hid themselves from God. And they said, well, you know, let's cover up. Let's put on the fig leaves. This ought to be good enough to stand then before God. And God comes to them. And He takes off the fig leaves. And He places upon them animal skins. Something had to die then for them to be forgiven. And that was a symbolically spoken of the Lord Jesus Christ. The skins, the animal skins, probably lamb's skins. What's the point? You can't cover yourself. The writer of the Hebrews says that we are naked and open before the eyes of Him with whom we must give an account. You cannot cover yourself. Why are we so foolish? Sin makes us so stupid. We think that we can come before God because, oh, I'm a good person. You're not a good person. You have not kept all the commandments of God. Good is not measured by the standard of the world. It's standard of the Scriptures. Good is seen by the standard of God's Word. In all of sin, there is none good. No, not one. You can't cover yourself. You must be covered with Christ. That's why we celebrate. He's covered us. He's clothed us. This lamb has given us life that we might have life more abundantly. Confess it. Look to him. Run to him. Jesus says, the invitation, come. Are you weary? You know you're weary. Those of you here this morning who are not true believers, you know you're weary. You're running to and fro and finding and wondering and searching. How can I be right with God? How can I make it to heaven? Because people don't want to go to hell. And you're weary. Because of all your searching, you have found nothing. Emptiness. Because it can't be found. It's in Christ that forgiveness is found. Completeness is found. You know what it is? It's the stirring and emptiness of the soul. Man is empty in his soul and he runs hither and yon trying to fill the void. Buying, selling, this and that, drugs, alcohol. What can, what can wash away the gnawing of my soul? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then when you come to Him and you find the contentment in Him, the satisfaction in Him, the peace of soul in Him, you're no longer running hither and yon. You have found the pearl of great price. He's come to you and He's given you the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's why we celebrate. That's why we feast. That's why we rejoice. Christ the Lamb has come and He has taken away the sins of His people. Look to Him and be saved all ye ends of the earth. For there is none other than Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. That is the message that John gives. That is the message the church must give. That is the message that all of Scripture gives. Look unto Christ and be saved. Amen. Shall we pray?